Hey there, and welcome to your pocket sailing instructor. I'm Penny Caldwell, and I have been a sailing coach for over 25 years now. I'm here to help you reach your sailing goals, whether you're looking for gear reviews, safety tips, or just some fun sailing stories. This podcast will have it all. Your Pocket Sailing Instructor is an educational and fun podcast about all things sailing. I plan on releasing weekly episodes every Thursday to help you end off your week on a high note. So grab your coffee and join me for your weekly dose of all things sailing. Hey there, hope you are having a great week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Your Pocket Sailing Instructor. I'm Penny and this week we're going to continue our journey talking about chartering. Um, so, so far in the last couple episodes, we have gotten into selecting your destination. So what is the type of charter that you are interested in uh, doing? Are you looking to relax or are you looking uh, for a little bit more adventure? Are you looking to do something really touristy? So depending on what you're looking for, will potentially guide the type of uh, area that you want to end up in. We also have talked about um figuring out the type of charter that you would like to do as far as the boat. Are you looking for a skipper charter or are you looking to do a bare boat charter where you'll be in charge? Um, and also we started talking about collecting quotes from different charter companies and having a think about how uh, you would divide up the cost of the charter uh, for your boat uh, and some of the lessons that I've learned from doing charters as well. And, um, you know, one of my suggestions is um, doing your payment or your quote for people to join you uh, by cabin instead of uh, by person. So we dug into some of those things. And uh, today we are going to start talking a little bit more about how to get ready for your charter. So things to do prior to the charter, once you've selected your destination, as well as, um, you know, the weeks leading up to your charter specifically, talking about provisioning, talking about trip planning, uh, marinas and all that kind of stuff. So uh, some of this information you will also find in the uh, series that I did about our charter when we went to Croatia. So that is going back to episodes 30, 31, 32, and 33, I believe. Uh, so a lot of information in those episodes as well. And also uh, with episode um, 32, I think, or 33, I created a provisioning checklist for you. So I have kind of a whole list of all of the different provisions that I purchase when I'm doing a charter so that, uh, the boat is fully stocked and ready to go and, uh, all that jazz. So yeah, let's dig into it. All right. So at this point we have decided, uh, where we want to charter. We have, probably put a deposit down on a boat and we are in the process of filling or we have already filled the boat with uh, who we would like to have join us. And so now we're going to start digging into some of the local knowledge and things that you should keep in mind um, when you're chartering in a new area. So this goes back to trip planning. Uh, also in the podcast early on, I did an episode all about trip planning. 
Um, I think it's in one of the first 10 episodes or so, I think number seven or eight. Um, And so talking a little bit about uh, things to look for when you are going from one place to another. So in this case, the first thing that I'm going to do when I'm chartering in a new area is I'm going to do a bit of research on the uh, cruising guide that is recommended for the area or cruising guides, plural, depending on how much reference material you'd like to have. Um, So I like to get my hands on that. I like to uh, do a bit of internet research and have a look at who is blogging about the area, what uh, other boaters, sailors in particular, have uh, experienced and found in the area as far as anchorages, marinas, any kind of feedback that I can start to get uh, about some of the amenities as well that are available is really key. So that research I will do um, through Facebook. There are usually different groups. Uh, Also through Google, um, I will reach out to any local boaters in my community, especially if I know that some of them have boated in an area that I'm interested in going to. Um, And I also mentioned in one of the earlier episodes that a lot of the charter companies will have itineraries pre-built for you as well. So you can take one of those itineraries. uh, And what I like to do is you, in the early stages, you could pull up Google Maps, for instance, and you can just start looking at where some of these different marinas are. Um, I really like to use Navionics when I am on the boat. So Navionics, you can purchase different charts depending on the area where you are boating. So for instance, when we went out to Croatia, I went ahead and I purchased the chart package for Europe so that I would have the Croatian charts available to me. So I could have a look at um, the marinas, so where they were located, and also some of the navigational aids and navigational hazards around the marina. And then I also started to uh, research some of the weather patterns and expected weather for the time of year that I was going to be there. Uh, So like I've mentioned previously, I am toying with the idea of going to Cuba uh, either in March or April 2024. So one of the things that I'm currently doing is having a look for cruising guides there really are not, (laughs) there's not much available. Uh, But I am looking at itineraries from the uh, different charter companies. I have pulled up the charts of the area on Navionics already. And um, I'm starting to look at some of the weather that can be anticipated um, in that area during the time that I'm interested in being there. So just to give me an idea of potentially what what we can expect. Uh, so I'm interested in temperature, uh, but I am also interested in any of the winds or any storm type of activity that they have in the area. So when you are looking to charter, a lot of charter companies will also provide you with kind of the high season and low season uh, and what to expect during those seasons. So you you know, if you are looking to save some money as far as chartering uh, a boat in the off season, one thing to consider is that it's called the off season for a reason, uh, and there are not as many boaters there, and potentially it is because the weather is really not uh, favorable for sailing. Sometimes there's too much wind or there's no wind, so that is something that you might have to consider when you're having a look at uh, your charter timing and destination. Uh, you know, what is more important to you? Uh, to have a nice, fun, safe sailing experience uh, or to save money. So just something to be aware of. You can definitely boat uh, off season um, and very successfully and have a lot of fun. It can be really nice and quiet, but just be aware that you might not necessarily get the weather 
uh, and chartering experience that you were hoping for. So back to where I was, where was I? I'm talking about Navionics. So I like to download the charts for the area. I like to have a good look around. And then uh, if I'm happy with kind of where I've decided to go and I've put my deposit down and all that jazz, uh, one of the things that I do like to do is I will purchase a paper copy of the chart if it's available for the area. Um, so this can get a little bit expensive depending on where you're boating and how many charts are required for the area. So uh, when I went to Croatia, I only purchased one chart. Uh, it was a bit of a small scale chart, so it didn't give me a ton of detail for the all the different islands. But again, I was using that chart specifically to kind of plot out our rough day itinerary for the two weeks. Uh, and then I was using Navionics as well as the cruising guides um, to do our more kind of precise chart work to um, navigate us into different areas. So um, yeah, it was a really great uh, tool. Navionics has been a great tool to use on the boat, but like anything, don't throw all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you wouldn't want to get out there and then, you know, have your tablet die or something, and then you have no idea where you are. So make sure that you always have some sort of backup chart available to you. I am kind of old school and I like to have paper charts <laughs> with me as well. And one of the things that I'll do with the paper charts is I will take photos of some of the areas that we're going to go to. And that way, if I'm at the helm and we're coming into a certain area, I don't have to run down below to grab the chart. I can just pull out my phone, pull up the photo, zoom in, zoom out, whatever. Um, so just kind of a little pro tip there. Um, so once I have um, taken a look at the itinerary, I have taken a look at our rough idea of where we would like to go. I come up with my plans A, B, C. So if the weather is not cooperating or if I cannot get into a marina for some reason, um, then I have some anchorages in mind or I have safe harbors available. Um, so making sure that I have a couple different options of day activities or destinations, depending on what kind of weather is going to come my way. So I think overall that is an important thing. And basically one of my goals is to kind of over plan a trip in a way, like within reason. Um, and that way, generally, the more planning I put into something, the less likely I am to have unexpected things come up. And I end up having an uneventful trip. A lot of people say, Oh, how was your trip? And I say uneventful. And I mean that in the best way possible, because it means that nothing unexpected, or um, I don't want to say insurmountable because that's a bit extreme being a bit dramatic there, but um, nothing that, uh, you know, came along that really threw me off. So, you know, if I wasn't able to get to the marina that I really wanted to go to on day two because of the weather, uh, that's okay because I had a anchorage picked out and we managed to get there instead. So making sure that you kind of have some of these different options available to you will just ensure that you have a bit of a, a more relaxing uh, trip. I find that when I'm overprepared, I, I tend to relax a little bit more and I'm, yeah, I just, I just kind of know what's, what's coming around the, the bend. So, um, so once you have decided on your itinerary, this will also help to figure out your provisioning uh, because with your itinerary, you'll be deciding how many days you want to go and spend at the marina. Uh, 
or how many days you want to uh, be ashore. So you might decide that there's a particular area that you really want to explore and you're going to stay at the marina for two or three nights maybe. Uh, so in that case, you can figure out if you are going to have your meals on shore and then this will also uh, work its way into your provisioning. So when we were heading out to Croatia, we were doing two weeks of sailing basically, Monday to a Friday or Saturday, I believe we dropped off the boat. Uh, and what I did is I basically planned for half of our dinners to be on board. Breakfast was always on board and was kind of a free-for-all, uh, just making sure that we had some cereals and you know bagels or croissants or any kind of local uh, type food available on board, juice, yogurt, fresh fruit, that kind of thing. Everybody just ate whatever they felt uh, they wanted to have for breakfast. Uh, lunches tend to be sandwiches or um, pre-made Oh, pasta salads or anything like that. Uh, and then dinners, we, we again, either did onshore or on the boat. So with your provisioning, same kind of idea. First thing that I do is I check with my crew to find out who has uh, food aversions or allergies that I need to be aware of. And then from there, I build out my meal plan and then I will send around uh, a copy of some of the meals to the crew just to make sure that you know, there's nothing um, missing or nothing that sticks out to them as far as, you know what, I actually, I said I was okay with everything, but what I mean is, you know, I really don't like green peppers, let's say. Um, and that's kind of the opposite of that is one thing that I do as well is I ask everyone what some of their favorite things are or what some of the things are that they consider to be a treat or something that they feel that they can't live without. So um, I like to have those things on board as well because sometimes depending on the weather or what we're doing or just by virtue of being away from home and out of your own routine, you'll start to notice that some people might get a little bit cranky. Uh, there might be, you know, conflict on the boat with different personalities or one person is really neat and one person's really messy. And before you know it, that 50 foot boat is feeling really small. <laughs> so um, it's always good to make sure that you have uh, some items on the boat that will help to cheer people up. So some people like to have a bit of chocolate each day. Coffee is a big one. A lot of people have to have fresh coffee on the boat. Um, so I'm, I'm a coffee drinker, but I drink decaf. Um, I'm a big wine drinker. I love red wine. So for me, having red wine on the boat, especially if we're doing a nice pasta dinner, that's something that I enjoy. Uh, some people like to have a nice cold beer after they've been sailing all day. So um, just get an idea of kind of what are some of the things that will help people uh, just really enjoy being on the boat, especially if they are new to this and they're, you know, they're thinking, hey, this is, this is going to be a great experience and I'm sure it will. But having those extra items will bring a little bit of extra comfort and just kind of help them through if they have any kind of difficulties or uh, withdrawals on the boat. I just want to take a minute to give a big shout out to my patrons. You guys are a huge support for me. You help to make these episodes possible. So thank you so much. For those of you who are not familiar with Patreon, it's a way for you to help support content creators like myself through a subscription. For as little as $3 a month, you can support my little podcast 
to reach many more people, and it will help me bring you new episodes every single week. Check it out today at patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. That's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. One last time, patreon.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. And I so, so, so appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our episode. So one of the other things to think about when you are doing your provisioning and just your overall boat prep um, and your itinerary and such is where are the different amenities um, that you're going to need. So uh, at some point you potentially might need to refuel. So which marinas in the area have refueling options for you? And depending on how many nights you are staying at anchor, you might also want to think about a pump out, um, depending on where you are boating, if, if you have to use a holding tank or not. And so you would want to make sure that you are timing your itinerary so that you are arriving at a marina that has those amenities that you're looking for. I definitely suggest trying to get off the boat probably every three days or so and find a marina or a place that has a really nice shower. It's really nice to get off the boat and have access to some nice facilities so that everybody can kind of freshen up and clean up and feel a little more civilized. Uh, It might be a good time to do some laundry depending on how many clothes people brought or, you know, again, if you're expecting really warm weather, uh, somebody might have only brought, you know, one pair of pants and one sweatshirt. And so it's been cooler than they anticipated and they've been wearing the same thing for a few days. So maybe there's a consideration of heading into uh, marina so that they can go and find a store to get a couple more items that are for um, cooler weather. Um, but the other thing you're going to think about is where can you stock up on your provisions and what types of provisions are you going to be stocking up? So anything that is dairy or, uh, yeah, mostly dairy, I find, uh, potentially meats, uh, you'll have to kind of, uh, restock those, you know, every four or five days, depending on what type of refrigeration you have available on board. If you have an ice box, then for sure you are going to have to go to shore uh, earlier than planned. If you have a refrigerator and everything is staying nice and cool, then definitely not as big of a problem. Uh, but you do want to keep that ice box or that refrigerator nice and packed full of stuff because it will help to keep everything nice and cool as well. So just some random random thoughts on that one. Um, but yeah, the idea is to um, kind of marry up your itinerary with some of the amenities available in the area. And also keeping in mind, people might want to go do some shopping, they might want to do some sightseeing and so on. And I believe I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, as far as doing any off-boat activities or off-boat meals and, and so on, what we did with our boat is we set up a kitty. So everybody put in... I don't even know at this point, you'll say $500 each. Um, And we had it into an envelope. And then we had a little piece of paper where we kept track of things that we purchased out of the kitty. So for instance, we got onto the boat and I had purchased the uh, comfort package, came with extra blankets and uh, extra towels. But the pillows that we got were like horrific. They were like pancakes, just 
totally tiny little pillows. I'm one of those people. I'm a side sleeper. So I have, you know, two pillows under my head. I've got one between my legs. I've got one behind my back. Like I'm just propped up with like all kinds of uh, pillows. I look like, you know, an Egyptian pharaoh or something crazy. But basically, um, you know, what we did is we took money out of our kitty and we went and purchased brand new pillows so that everybody had a new pillow. And so they were not uh, really expensive pillows. I think it was maybe 15 or 20 bucks Canadian each. So, and in my opinion, you know, for all of us, that was a worthwhile purchase because we all ended up with comfortable pillows, uh, even though we were on uncomfortable beds. So there you go. Um, so that's an example of when you would use the kitty. Uh, the kitty is also purchased or used to purchase um, kind of one-off items that you might use for the boat. So we had uh, we needed, you know, olive oil. We were making some some special meals, and we just we didn't have olive oil, so we used that. Um, we I'm trying to think what else we did. We ordered pizza a couple times, and that was kind of fun having the pizza delivered to the boat. Again, that came out of the kitty in that case because we were all kind of enjoying that together. If anybody decided to kind of split off and head off on their own dinner, then we would just kind of do our own thing. But for the most part, our boat kind of stuck together. We were all friends and we were all close. So we we knew that we kind of wanted to hang out together anyway. So it worked out really well that way. You know, we would use the kitty to purchase a new sunscreen or uh, if we people were short on hats, we would go buy a couple hats and those became the boat hats or, you know, that kind of thing. So there might be odds and ends that you end up purchasing. Like if you want to get some snorkel gear um, so that everybody can kind of snorkel around, that might be something that you uh, purchase either yourself or you might purchase it as a boat and use your boat uh, kitty for that type of purchase. So back to the charter itself, Um, a lot of charter companies will help uh, figure out your accommodations on either end of your charter, if you're interested in that. I went ahead and just booked a couple Airbnb spots uh, near, not too far from the marina in the middle of Split. So we had a really fun time exploring Split while we were in Croatia, but they can definitely uh, help you organize, um, yeah, accommodations. They can help organize travel from the airport to and from going back and forth. They're also, uh, you know, really good at being local guides for the area. So you can definitely book extra excursions and stuff through a lot of the charter companies as well. Um, So they they can kind of be your local, um, I guess, tourist, (laughs) tourist agent. Um, So definitely tap into that uh, knowledge. The other thing that the charter companies will provide you with is you will get a boat binder. And in that binder will be all of the insurance papers, uh, ownership information about the the actual boat, as well as any uh, owner's manuals for the system's on the boat. Uh, a lot of those owner manuals, the owner's manuals are actually in the nav station or somewhere near the nav station, uh, but they should be there. Uh, so for us, for instance, we had a problem with the bow thruster because I decided to chew up one of the um, <laughs> slime lines, one of the mooring lines. And uh, so I was able to pull out the uh, owner's manual for that particular bow thruster, figure out the type of bow thruster, find the part that was broken and kind of have an estimate of how much it was going to cost me to have this particular thing fixed when I brought the boat back to the charter company. Ended up being like $25 Canadian, really not a big deal. Um, But 
Um, if you have any engine issues while you are out there, you can use some of these manuals to assist you. Now, that being said, the charter company will have a number where you can call them and they do have uh, usually uh, mechanics and other uh, boat contractors that are available uh, throughout the area that you're chartering to come to the boat and help you if you do have any issues. So like I said, we left um, our charter area from Split and we were kind of going between all of the islands in Croatia. And at any point, if we had an issue with the boat, we could call the charter company and they would have a local person who was able to come over, have a look at the boat, fix what needed to be fixed or stock up on whatever or you know whatever the issue was um, so you do have that support system while you are out chartering now one thing to think about is that some charter companies will include that kind of service where you know you can call them up to x number of times depending on what you need uh, and they will not charge you some charter companies will charge you per phone call they will potentially charge you if they have to come out and fix something that they deem is your fault so um, that's another thing that i talk about in my uh, croatia episodes there is making sure that you do a very thorough checkout of the boat so when you are uh, when you receive possession of the boat making sure that you take the time to go through the boat document and take photos of anything that is potentially already broken or close to breaking or doesn't look correct uh, and make sure that you note those on your contract specifically so for us our v-birth head uh, one of the seals was leaking and i noted that uh, on the contract. I took photos of it. I actually took a video of it. Uh, and I also mentioned it when the guy came on board to check out the vessel at the time, it wasn't leaking very much. And I was like, you know what, not a big deal. We'll just, we'll just go. Um, but that way, when we bring the vessel back and they are doing their check-in process, uh, they don't turn around and say, oh, well, this is leaking. And one of the things that I definitely noticed is when I was doing my checkout process, they're very laid back and very blase about the whole thing. But when you bring the boat back to them, they spend an awful lot of time going through every single piece of equipment and every nook and cranny in the boat. So, uh, you know, make sure that you do that before you take the boat out so that you document and take photos and make it known that whatever is potentially an issue on the boat, you've noted it prior to your sale. Um, and the other thing that they will do is they will also do an underwater survey of the boat when you bring it back to make sure that you have not damaged uh, the keel or the rudder or anything. So if you run aground, they will um, they have divers that will come and dive under the boat as soon as you get back to the dock. So one of the things to uh, think about is making sure that if you do run aground or if you hit anything, let them know. Um, and then uh, I have heard of in one instance, someone who brought their boat back and then the diver said, oh, it looks like they hit something and they knew that they had not hit anything at all. So what they did is they actually asked for the video of the previous charter check in. So the other charter, when they came back in, they did the same thing where they had a video and in that video they saw that the the keel was already damaged so the charter company was basically trying to double dip and charge these guys with damage that was already previously done so 
Obviously, you're probably not going to dive under your own boat <laughs> to do your checkout, but know that there should be a video of the previous check-in that you could potentially access. Um, I think that's, you know, a bit shady business if, if someone's trying to do that, and, but uh, who knows. So um, just something to be aware of. And like I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, I did a... Um, uh, check checklist and I talk a lot more in depth about the actual checklist and checkout and check-in procedure and what types of things that you should be watching for. So I am going to wrap up this episode here. Um, I am going to work on creating a chartering guide for you guys. So it'll be a PDF uh, download that you can do. And um, yeah, it'll have all of this information broken down into steps basically typical penny it's going to be like a checklist and it's going to be very uh, organized and hopefully very thorough and then you can also use it uh, for reference when you are looking at or preparing for your charter uh, and i'll include my provisioning list and all that kind of stuff and the checklist for checking in your boat and checking out and, and all this stuff so i am working on that for you i will put it in the show notes which will be available at sailnelson.com forward slash podcast and it will be under uh, these episodes all about chartering. I will put put a link to it in each of the episodes so you'll be able to find it. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great week and I will see you next week. So I am going to wrap up this episode here. Um, I am going to work on creating a chartering guide for you guys. So it'll be a PDF uh, download that you can do. And um, yeah, it'll have all of this information broken down into steps. Basically, typical penny, it's going to be like a checklist and it's going to be very uh, organized and hopefully very thorough. And then you can also use it uh, for reference when you are looking at or preparing for your charter. Uh, and I'll include my provisioning list and all that kind of stuff and the checklist for checking in your boat and checking out and all this stuff. So I am working on that for you. I will put it in the show notes, which will be available at sailnelson.com forward slash podcast. And it will be under uh, these episodes all about chartering. I will put, put a link to it in each of the episodes so you'll be able to find it. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great week and I will see you next week.